And we're back for another fantastic, entertaining episode of Stream of Thought. Episode number 233. Guys, I update you on my job status. I'm quitting, but not before telling you some entertaining stories and a few celebrities that I've interacted with. Also, we all love finding money. A brief history of finding cash and change in the life and times of Victor Philip Marquez. And then we catch up with a little bit of my own personal experience of the challenges that moving on in life has presented to me. Oh my goodness. It is something that is chaos and also very entertaining. So with that being said, episode number 233 of Stream of Thought. As always, we hope you enjoy. Now, I don't know how you feel about when you find change. Like, obviously, if there's like a penny or a nickel on the on the street, you know, sometimes you pick it up, sometimes you don't. Even though it's pretty much meaningless, there's just something about picking up change off the ground that makes you feel a little bit like a winner, right? Just a little bit, especially if it's a quarter. If it's a quarter, hell yeah, man. Absolutely. Dude, I'm at Target the other day and I walk up to the self-checkout because it's all self-checkout and I'm ringing up my items. And then I notice that the person, whoever was there before me, had paid with cash and all their change was still in the little cup. A lot of change. 92 cents worth of change. Three of those coins were quarters. It was all, it was like straight up consolidated, all consolidated change. Not like, you know, 90 cents and a bunch of, you know, one quarter or two quarters and then, you know, nickels and pennies. And I got to tell you, finding 92 cents in change and having three of them be quarters, I felt like a millionaire in that moment. Bro, that's, that is, that is one of those things. When you find a quarter on the ground, at least I get this way. It's like, oh, okay, I'm definitely going to pick that up. And yeah. uh, I, I, I will say, though, for all the times that I've gone through one of those checkout lanes with the auto dispensing of the coins, never once have I come across one that's been filled with actual change, much less 92 cents, to say the least. And the reason it was so special, too, was because also, I mean, out here in L.A., there's... I mean, in other cities, right, as well, but especially out here, there's just parking meters everywhere. So I'm, my immediate thought was, hell yeah, I got 75 cents in quarters, add a few more quarters. You know, I don't, some vehicles have this, some don't. There's like a, little, like a little space that might be next to the steering column or in the center console, like specified to keep change in. And so right now I went from, I don't know what it was four quarters to now seven to use if I need a quick quarter for, you know, typically eight to 15 minutes of time is what I can buy with a quarter. So that that is a good question, though. Are you somebody who keeps change or wh- like, what do you what do you do with change? Do you have a jar? Do okay. you do something? So several years ago, uh, several like five to seven, no, like ten to fifteen. Jesus. I was in college, right? Yeah, the other day, oh, three years ago. Um, so 
I used to collect change and I would pick it up off the ground, even if it was one penny, because I had a, a jar and I would fill my change in it. And I did it one time and I remember I took it to the bank and I had like 60 bucks worth. And of course, I went and bought some weed with it. Obviously. And so I did that for a little bit. I'd fill up a jar full of change. And then I stopped doing it because I just didn't really ever have cash. And I started doing it again when I started working at Aldi because I was always, you know, you're at the register. And I was like, yeah, if I collect change, I could definitely over the course of time, you know, get a few dollars here and there. And because I'd put the change in and take the paper notes out. And now, I mean, I collect change, but not really. I really don't use cash, but I like collecting change because I like to consolidate it for quarters. I just ask when I go to the grocery store, you know, and uh, I'll consolidate it for a few quarters here and there so that I have it for parking if I need it. Wait, so you actually go into a grocery store after you've done your shopping? Well, okay, so let me me backtrack. So when I shop at Aldi here and at the – there was an Aldi that opened up in Burbank. I don't know when, but I was like, holy shit. And they require a quarter, right? At Aldi, they, you need a quarter to put into the cart to take it out as an incentive to put the cart back instead of leaving it in the middle That's of right. the parking lot. Yeah. And so it's very common for people to go up and say, hey, I don't have a quarter or can I or, – or they'll give you 25 cents and, they, and you give them a quarter so they can use it. And so that's what I use it for. Or I'm sorry, that's I, – I mean I use it for that, but that's usually where I go. It's not like I make an, a weekly effort to go consolidate my change. If I just happen to have loose change, then I'll consolidate it. But I also like having at least a dollar's worth of change in the event that I'm paying for something with cash. I want to pay with exact money or consolidate my change as much as possible. Dude, that little that little coin jar in the car that every car has, like yeah. making sure that you have at least, I don't know, for me, I feel like as long as I've got four quarters, 10 dimes, what, 20 nickels and however many pennies, like it really does make a difference if you have to have exact change. I'm I have yeah. always been a problem and I actually have come across that situation multiple times where it's like, "Oh, Wait, one second. Hold on. I have the exact amount that you are looking for. It just eliminates so much hassle. And you get rid of, like, loose change. So I'm I'm all for that. Yeah. So that's my story on finding change. But in addition to finding money, I don't know. I'll, I'll get to the details behind this in a moment. But I want to ask you, how often or what's the largest amount of money that you've found on the ground? Because we discussed this once before a few years ago. When I was at Sunset Pool and I just happened to find like $5 line next to me and I used that to go see a movie at the Glen and it was awesome. But, you know, can you count the number of times on your hand? Do you not recall or have you ever have you ever had a moment where you found like a $10 bill or like a $50 bill or what has your experience been finding money? So on the ground, I would I would say I think there was one time when I found a $5 bill. But aside from that. Uh, maybe maybe one or two times where I found a $1 bill. Really quick before I get into this, I once found, I think I told you before, at Hollister when I started working there right after college, I found a $50 bill on the ground in the store. And because a lot of teenagers shop there, I thought, man, this could be someone's babysitting money. And so 
I told the manager, I said, hey, I found this $50 bill. If someone doesn't claim it, can I keep it? And, and she said yes. And then like the next week at the manager meeting, she had said or I asked about it or something. Somehow the $50 bill came up. And then this other manager threw me under the bus and was like, oh, no, I think Victor should donate it to the tsunami, the, J- the Japan Tsunami Relief Fund. Yeah, yeah, Victor. Yeah, we're gonna, because it was found in the store, we're going to give it to the Japan Tsunami Relief Fund. And I'm like, really? We may as well give them half a penny for the relief fund. That's fucking billions of dollars worth of damage. And you're taking my $50 bill. Which the lesson I learned was it was really never mine to begin with, right? But aside from that, that's the largest amount of money I found in one spot, a $50 bill. And they went to the Japan Relief Fund or whatever. Anyway, the reason I'm asking this is because remember how I was telling you how I got a job like a few weeks ago? Okay, update on that. I'm quitting. (laughs) More on that in a second. More on that in a in a little bit. But literally, like, my second or third day there, I'm, like, learning the register stuff. And this guy hands me uh, $40, right? Two 20s wrapped inside of each other. And I said to him, like, oh, I'm sorry. We actually don't accept cash. It's only credit card or Apple Pay. And he was like, oh, no, this is this is for you. And being in West Hollywood... What's very noticeable coming from the Midwest, it, I don't know what the percentage is, but it feels like half, if not more, the men, it, at least half of the men, if not maybe slightly more, are gay. Whatever. But very quickly, I learned working at Sprouts, and my and I was talking about this with my neighbor who used to live here who's also gay, and he was he was laughing his ass off. There's a language, there's a code to figure out if someone else is gay or if they are interested in you, right? And so this guy's handing me $40. I'm like, this motherfucker better not think I'm giving him my phone number, right? Because I could Wait, tell right away. Okay, so I'm confused. Uh, so so the $40, like the 220 is a tip. A... He gave me a $40 tip for taking the order. Oh, dear God. Okay. And he handed it, right? He, and he said, and because we have a tip jar right there for tips, for cash tips. <laughs> and my first thought was like, yeah, I want, I want to take the money. And I, for a minute, I was like, shit, do I need to like share this with the other employees? I'm not going to do that. Fuck that. I didn't say this. I'm thinking this. And he's like, oh, this is, you know, this is just for you. You know, we just keep, keep, I think he said like, you know, we'll just keep this between you and me or like, don't tell anybody or whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. Thank you. And I was very polite, but I was thinking like this, this motherfucker better not think. I'm giving him my phone number. Fuck no. Right? By the way, I am enjoying anyway, this so much right now. This anyway, is truly that's, a joy. <laughs> anyway, that's why I brought up the for, the money situation uh, in addition to the 92 cents. Because on top of that, like, the next week I'm walking into work and the fir- I, I open the door. What do I see six inches in front of the door? A $10 bill. Fuck Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So I pick up a $10 bill. I'm like, you know what? Working here is not that bad, right? That's my first few days. I'm quitting, and I'll get into that later. But it, it, was, a, it was an eventful, you know, 
seven to ten day period with the ninety two cents, the forty dollar tip, and then finding ten dollars on the All floor. Right, so I, I have to ask, I have to ask, when the guy handed you the forty dollars, what was like what was that interaction like? Was it was it intense was it like clearly no, it wasn't intense. he was really provocative no he was really or... nice okay. i i encountered this when i was working at sprouts like people are asking you about certain products or whatever and whether or not they actually want to know what the answer to the question is like there's there's certain there i don't know how to describe it there are gestures made with the face to let you know that they think you're cute and if you think they're cute, to reciprocate or to find out if you are gay or not. I had this entire – there was an entire fucking language that does, not use, that does not use words but rather just facial gestures that I, ha- I had this discussion with my neighbor and he was like, yeah, when I realized I was gay and I'm going out in the world as a gay man, he's like, yeah, there's, a, there's an entire code, code book, unspoken code book. And working at Sprouts on Santa Monica Boulevard, on Santa Monica Boulevard in the middle of West Hollywood, like yeah, I very quickly picked up on what those gestures were. That is so weird, and it's just it is it is it assumed by the individuals initiating the contact that it's understood kind of universally, or is it kind of code language? specifically for those it's, co- it's all that, uh, what i could when i'm having this i was having this conversation my neighbor's name is dave and i'm having the conversation with dave and i'm telling him this because i'm telling him i'm like starting to scratch the surface i'm like dave this is what's going on at work i it happens a lot and i'm like i think this is what it is and he starts laughing and laughing and laughing and he's like dude you hit the nail on the head and he told me some other things like that's exactly what it is and uh and I told him, yeah, I just – what did I say? I said like I deflected the situation. I mean I'm always very friendly and nice. I'm not re- reciprocating the, oh, hey, you're – you know. Uh, but I told him like, yeah, I I, uh, I use my own language. I, I let them know that I am not interested, that I am not gay, that I'm straight as an arrow by dropping words like, yeah, no problem, bro. Take it easy, chief. Have a good one, player. Like, and he and he was laughing and laughing and laughing. You know, use a straight man language, right? <laughs> That's what I call it. So, uh, being surrounded in a community of um, gay folk, um, like ninety percent. So that's pretty much the entire like resume of everyone that I interact with. Uh, it is weird because there is a certain there is a certain like feeling out period which I've never really yes. fully understood. Uh, like I don't know if you have better insight on that. Like for me, it's just like, hey man, I love you as a person. Not interested in that way, but it doesn't mean that I'm not gonna like continue to interact with you in just a very friendly, cordial way. Especially if you're somebody who's a good person, right? You know, I want to encourage that kind of behavior. And, uh, and then suddenly all these like peripheral things come in and it's not until somebody tells me afterwards, dude, uh, I think you were flirting with him or something like that. And it's like, what, wait, what, what? I, that's not what my intent was, but okay. Yeah. Chill. Well, I like, but it's very funny because I have had a handful of moments where like, I feel so uncomfortable because I can tell 
they are undressing me with their eyes. And then I think to what women go through their entire life, something that I've only been like, again, like just the experience of a gay guy checking you out and feeling out to see if you're gay or like giving you the, the looks and sending vibes your way. Sometimes it can just be so, uh, I don't know what the word, it, it can be, it's just so, I don't know, so forthright that you just have to shut it down. Like you don't even, I mean, you're still polite. You're still nice. You answer their questions and everything, but in no way do you reciprocate the vibe because it's, it, it just feels so uncomfortable. And you're like, yeah, just fucking take the receipt and walk away. <laughs> but also the $40, I mean, the guy could have just maybe was looking to give it away to someone and saw some cute looking guy and decided to give it to me. Cause there are people, I mean, it's, if it's one thing I've learned living in LA, dude, there are people looking for reasons to spend money. There's money everywhere, fucking everywhere, especially West Hollywood, Beverly Hills. No one ever gives away money without a reason. Like, that's the one thing I've learned. Be like, especially from Glenn Ellen, too. There's always, there's always some sort of subcontext when it comes to right. money yeah. I mean, and others. And you have to think, too, like, what are people's motives? Like, for all, I mean, I don't know. We're just uh, hypothesizing, if you want to call it that. Of course. But he could have been like, I have $40. I'm going to spend this $40 to find out if this person is gay or not. You know what I'm saying? Like, Hey, yeah. I, I don't mean, know. Yeah, that's entirely possible. But Good for you, though. Whatever. I mean, hey, my main takeaway is that you are still attractive enough for people to come <laughs> up to you. And attempt to view as a prostitute with $40. So, good for you. Yeah, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm keeping this cash for sure. Also, with working here. So, here's the weird thing. Is that, or not necessarily, not necessarily weird, but just another kind of, uh, not necessarily a semi, not necessarily a, a red flag, but just like a, hmm, okay, this is a, little, a bit odd. So, in the back, behind the kitchen, uh... You walk out the door and there's stairs that go down, uh, downstairs. And then next to those stairs is like this, like first, uh, one story, like garage or something that's also part of the property. And so instead of going down the stairs and going around the garage to the dumpsters, the employees just throw the trash over the, onto the roof. And then there's like a good, like an 18 inch gap between the handrail and the roof of this first story building. And so what do you do? They throw the trash on the roof and then they uh and then they put one leg over the rail and then go onto the garage. And I'm like, fuck, all it takes is one slip and you fall and you break your legs or die. Right? Especially because you're in the kitchen and your shoes are oily. And the stairs also, even though the stairs are made of stone. People have gone down them enough times where you can see where it was once a perpendicular angle. It's kind of rounded out and kind of has like that uh, – it kind of has like a brownish, blackish hue to it from all the shoes, right? So uh, it's very easy to slip, I would imagine, right? And so I was like, hmm, okay, that's interesting because usually when you work at places, it's like a big no-no to try and do the things that make – the work a little bit easier, like shortcuts, right? 
And so I was like, okay. I mean, I don't have to take the trash out, but it was like that's just a disaster waiting to happen, right? Like, oh, well, Victor said it was okay or Victor never – I mean, everyone does it, but it, all it takes is one one mishap. Uh, but then, like, another thing – a reason why I'm quitting is because very uh, quickly – it became one of those, okay, I understand what direction this is going in. The writing is on the wall. I am very familiar. I am far too familiar with these patterns where you work somewhere, you don't really know what's going on, you're new to everything, and you're learning, and you're, doing, you're, you're going through all the steps, and then you realize how much importance, how much emphasism is placed on things that like you don't give a shit about, right? So, for example... Part of my responsibilities as a supervisor, you walk in, you do this checklist, like making sure everything is stocked up and clean and whatnot, but then there's like, okay, if we're out of this, you need to like go through this app, you go through this app and you tell the company, but we try not to do that. And then also uh, like rushing the food out, redoing orders, customers sucking, like, oh, is this like, uh, is this vegan? And it's like, I don't fucking know. Well, can you find out? And it's like, it's a fu- like, for example, they, people, someone asked me, one person asked me the other day, like, oh, does this have alcohol in it? I'm like, wait, what? Does this dressing have like alcohol in it? It's fucking salad dressing. What are you talking about? Oh, well, can you find out? I'm like, God damn it. Like, I want to say no, but now you've got me second guessing. I don't know. Is there like small amounts of alcohol in dressing? It sounds just as ridiculous as when someone's like, uh, is this vegan? And it's like, bitch, it's a fucking peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like, no, it's or like, yeah, it's vegan. Like, okay, well, last time, like fucking A. Or like, is the waffle what bites vegetarian? What? The fuck are you talking about? I don't. Well, can you check? Like, are you what? Okay, and it's just stupid shit like that. And on top of all of that stuff, the one thing that I loved about Aldi, when the phone rang at Aldi, it was either an employee at the store who said they were going to be late or for whatever. Like, it was an employee from the store. Either it was it was another store, it was another store, or it was like someone from corporate. Customers were not allowed to call the store because the t- telephone number was not given to customers. So you're doing all this shit, and on top of that, the phone is ringing, and like you're tr- like placing or like just stupid fuck. Like you can already tell how worked up I am about this, and I'm just like, no, I'm not doing this. I don't give a fuck about any of this. I'm at that point where I've had enough experience working for other people, supervising all this. I'm okay just quitting without having something else lined up. And if I really need to, I'll go back to doing deliveries because I now have a newfound appreciation for doing deliveries, right? After this three-week experience that I've had working at this restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so fascinating. Okay. I'm thinking to myself, dude, I don't know if I would have the tolerance to be able to put up with, like, sort of that condescending like you have to do this particular thing when that's not what works and you gotta you know be yourself man yeah like it's like i can only be that way if i'm building something for myself and i have employees right but i'm not gonna work that hard or stress myself out or do anything or put any effort at all really like above and beyond effort unless it's a 
for myself or B, if everyone else is putting above and beyond effort because that's how it worked at Aldi Glen Ellen. All the supervisors and there were great employees. A few employees sucked, but everybody for the most part did a, a little bit extra work and everything worked flawlessly, right? I'm not going to put that effort in if other people aren't putting the effort. So what, what are your thoughts about it coming from above? Because that's one of those things that I think about is I've had good managers and I've had bad managers. Good managers, it's like they keep on everyone and it's not in a mean or aggressive way, but it's like, hey, let's talk about what the issue is and try to be better. And then there are managers who just don't give a crap and it's like, uh, you know, do your own thing. It's like everyone ends up floundering and it's just chaos. Um I wasn't sure if that was something that resonated. Yeah, with you. I mean, I don't like, know. It's tough it's... because it's tough because for me, my style is I shouldn't have to babysit you. I don't want to babysit you. Like I will make sure things get done, but for the most part, I shouldn't have to be uh, making sure things get done by pulling teeth, right? Right. Yeah. I will say, though, um, making sure shit gets done, like, that's managerial, like, attitude. But if you're dealing with absolutely incompetent people, then you ask yourself, what's the point and purpose of actually right. doing stuff like that? But also, like, your thoughts and feelings towards something can direct you in what direction you, you need to go in. Like, for example, if I work somewhere, totally. I would much rather... I would much rather be a busboy or a fucking janitor or just be a server and only worry about, like, my personal responsibilities as opposed to my responsibilities and the responsibilities of others. And also, too, they only pay – the you, we split the tips, but, like, the base pay is only a couple dollars more than the fucking minimum wage. So it's like make a little bit more money and have a way more responsibility. Yeah, right. I think I'll take position as a cashier somewhere. And not at a fucking grocery store. At this place is sweet because celebrities come in. By the way, side note, I uh I had taken the order of I didn't and each each time this has happened, it didn't occur to me they were celebrities until afterward. But I don't know if you know Jason Derulo and then also Travis Barker and Courtney Kardashian. And so it was so weird because I see Travis. I'm like, I know this guy from somewhere. He seems familiar, and he he, he had that he he just had like that vibe that maybe he was someone important or like someone that was accomplished, but I couldn't tell. And then I didn't recognize Courtney right away, but then like I'm going through Instagram and I saw Travis Bark. I'm like, holy shit, that's the guy that was in that was the guy that was in Takaya a few times. And it was weird because I recognized him through his sunglasses. I didn't – it didn't occur to me that he had like more tattoos that went up above his head and they had a shaved head and it went up like by his ear and stuff. But I mean that was cool but it's not going to keep me at that place. So I'll probably quit. Uh, well, I will either the end of this week or maybe I'll give my two weeks notice and, and tell them I can only be working for two more weeks if you let me be cashier and then I'm out of here. Okay. So quick side note question how many people when you've been working in the service industry in la have you interacted or seen famous people like is that or no people who you you know would recognize zero this was really like my uh 
this was really my first time. I don't think I've ever seen celebrities. I mean, I there was that one time when I saw like Tom Hanks across the street because uh, his wife was getting a star, and like from a distance, I could see Tom Hanks. I could I saw Tom, I saw uh, Rita, and I saw Julie Roberts, and uh, but that was like from a distance. Like I, I could you know their head is like the size of the head on the penny. You know what I'm saying? And then. Anna Gasteyer, I saw her when I was working in Sprouts. I was bagging her groceries, and uh, that's it. The first time I saw paparazzi was like a year and a half ago, and I was, I was like, "What is going on?" I go in to get, pick up a delivery, and I'm like, I'm like looking around to see if I recognize anyone, but. The the order was ready, so I just grabbed it and walked out. I didn't want to be like looking around, like, oh, who's who's in here, right? And then I asked one of the paparazzi, I'm like, who are you guys waiting for? And he said, we're waiting for. I think he said, well, he's he's definitely said Haley Bieber, and I think the other one it was another Kardashian. I didn't recognize them when I when I walked into the store. I knew someone famous was inside because there was a uh, there were paparazzi all over the place. I grabbed my order. I took a quick look around. I didn't recognize anyone, anybody. I walked out. Then I asked the paparazzi who it was, and they're like, oh, Haley Bieber and one of the Kardashians are inside. I was like, okay, cool. Whatever. Went about my business. Right? See, that yeah. that's something that I, I don't know. I, it just doesn't even cross my mind. Like, well, and the thing that I think about, too, is the, uh, the paparazzi who are out there who are just doing the same thing that you're doing, just doing their job, you know? Maybe get a photo or two, deliver their orders in their own way. Yeah, yeah. And that was the other reason. That was the other thing too. The one of the days that I was working at Takaya, I saw paparazzi waiting outside, and a couple of them came inside and like ordered food. I'm like, okay, someone's nearby. I don't know if it was Travis and Courtney. I don't know who they're waiting for, but it's dude. It's it is a very I don't know. Have been having grown up outside of Los Angeles and then moving here. And I've only been here for, you know, a little over three years. Slowly you, you get a feel for it year after year. Right. And it's, it's a very peculiar place. It almost feels like you live in a different dimension because if you're living here in LA, you know, the capital, the entertainment capital of the world, everything is, there's, there's that. And there's like, beautiful scenery there's there's no reason absolutely zero reasons to ever leave la that's my opinion aside from the uh the earthquakes floods mudslides um chaos and Drug anarchy addicts, yes. Ill, we could go on <laughs> for that stuff yeah yeah i mean there is that other stuff like that, that <laughs> kind of sucks that's an eyesore to look at but for the most part no reason to leave that's there's no reason to leave yeah and and especially too if you're trying to make your way in the world too there's no better place to kind of randomly run across people is that something that by the way that you you hope secretly happens at some point that you run across either an agent or a star where you're thinking to yourself hey if i can just impress them enough give them my card or do something like that that maybe something could happen. I would. I don't think I would ever do that. 
I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's how I eventually, I I believe that's how Kid Cudi had kind of gotten a little bit of a start. Like Kanye West had walked into a store that he was working at. And same thing with, uh, with Big Sean. I think he had like waited for Jay-Z after a, con- or after a rate, he was doing a radio show and he went to wait for Jay-Z and like gave him his email or something. I mean, that stuff can happen, but I wouldn't rely on it as like the one, as the, as the, uh, end all be all variable that makes or breaks a career. And the thing is too, I don't know if it's like age or just life experience in general or whatever, but like when I was a teenager, like this leaving out in LA was just so glamorous. Like, Oh my goodness. Like, you know what I'm saying? Now it's like, whatever. If I see a celebrity, cool, but they're just regular people, <laughs> right? They're just regular people. Like you can ask someone, what's it like being famous? I've thought about this. If someone ever asked me if I get really famous and someone's like, what's it like being famous? It's like, I don't know because I don't see myself as being famous. It's just my life. And these are the circumstances. Well, I, you know what I'm saying? I, I will say, I will say contradictory to that. Like your life will not be normal, not because of your own choice, but rather the ecosystem around you. Suddenly right. there becomes this, this centrifuge of everything right. gravitating towards you, wherever you go and the lack of privacy. Matt Damon like, said that yeah. he said, he was like, yeah, it was crazy when I became, you know, famous after we won the Academy Award for Goodwill Hunting or whatever it was. Like, my world didn't change. Like, or, or like, nothing about me changed, but everything outside of me changed. And everything outside of me all of a sudden looked inward towards me. Like, the, the, the way I think about it is, imagine walking through Ogilvy Station, right? You're just going through Ogilvy Station the, during rush hour, whatever, moving with the masses. But then imagine you're super famous and you're walking through Ogilvy and everybody's looking at you and everybody moves out of the way as you're walking, right? Like, how strange that must be. Exactly. For the place, yeah. Yeah. So... Public perception, um, that actually, I don't know, I feel like there's a moment to insert my own personal experience here because I have some exciting news I don't think that I've told you yet uh, that my criminal record is going to be expunged. Nice. I know. It's awesome. Um, I'm super excited. It's long enough. Uh, It turns out, by the way, so I had a misdemeanor... And so the reason why I hadn't been able to get that taken care of was because the detective who had prosecuted the case um, had a apparently uh, quite a vendetta against me um, because I made him look like an idiot during his investigation when he ended up going to the church that I'd worked in and was like, oh, this guy is like the super mastermind criminal. And I'm like, no, he's not. And, uh, and so ultimately ended up passing. He retired in January. And so now there's no one who can object to that sort of thing. Um, but the kind of the thing that I was thinking about 
was public perception when it comes to, like, doing stuff in the public sphere. I had a wedding couple say that they did not want me because they Googled my name and uh, didn't want me there because of the negative image that uh, that my past had. So it, it was just very... When did this happen? This happened like a week before the wedding or this was in the phase where you had just interviewed them or when did this happen? Uh, this ha- At what point? Uh, this happened when Joe, Father Joe had said something to the extent of... Uh, I I have two weddings and I don't want to try and navigate the time period, so I'm going to pass you off to Father Ricks. Father Ricks is going to take over. He's wonderful. Here's all of his information. Blah blah blah. Get in contact with him. I emailed the couple. They didn't respond, and so he actually uh, Father Joe a- actually ended up giving a sermon this past Sunday about how upset he was that this couple had come back to him and said, we don't want this priest to marry us because, um, of his news stories and stuff like that. It was, it was very interesting. It was such an interesting experience. Isn't it so ironic how people consider themselves to be, you know, quote unquote, good people or men or women of faith, but then they don't practice the very thing that they preach. (laughs) Right. Well, and and that's and that's the thing that I think both Joe and I were thinking about. And I'm like, you know, it doesn't it doesn't bother me so much because honestly, dude, like this is something that I've had to deal with for the past 7 years. It's been 7 years now since all this happened and I'm still right. dealing with that same sort of thing. But it's like, yeah. you know, par for the course. I understand, you know, I don't hold anything against people who don't like me because they Google my name and that's one of the things that pops up. But bro, like Joe got in, like he went into a dark place and I'm like, you shouldn't do that. You know, I, I get, I get where people are coming from, man. Um, you know, I, I don't want anyone else to feel bad about the situation because it happens. I've lost jobs because of that. Like, I've lost right. wedding couples. I've lost all this sort of stuff. It's fine, man. You're We're building our own lives. We're doing different things. And we're not just given one opportunity to be able to rebuild ourselves. Like, right. like let's just chill. and That's all right. Then you know that they're not to be in your life. I mean, everything is... Life is just one big melting pot of events and circumstances, you know, coalescing and intermingling and this never-ending, you know, like you said, like a centrifuge of just this whirlwind of things. And you know what? People come and people go, and that is okay. What needs to be done is going to be done. So here I am, you know. For Looking sure. forward Here you are. to the rest of 2022. This one, uh, this went by pretty, pretty quick. That it did, dude. Well, I guess that's wrapping things up for this episode of Stream of Thought. Until next time. Until next time. <laughs>